Blog Talk Radio. It's April 7th, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. That transcends just union membership, but constituencies in general. Working for a living radio show is often imitated, but never replicated. (laughs) Working for a living radio show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and also follow us on Twitter. You can find us on workingforaliving.com and .org as well. Uh, let me bring on Jeff. Uh, see if we can find our, our buddy. Uh, okay. Is it coming on? There he goes. Yeah. Good evening, Jeff. How are you doing tonight? I'm okay, Leroy. How are you? Um uh, Pretty good. You know, been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, last week we uh, postponed the show, as you know, and uh, we uh, just thought we'd uh, have a little work-life balance there. There were a lot of things going on the last two weeks, Sundays with all the games, et cetera, and work-life, work-life balance is important to uh, the staff and the, the listeners. So we uh, we took a little bit of a, a break last week uh, because, one, uh, the, one of the most important games was ending uh, during our show, so it was uh, something a lot of people just wanted to be uh, able to enjoy. Um, right. Yeah. So, how's your week going? Uh, it's been up and down. Um, some days I feel good, and I go out for a little bit, a couple hours, come home. And the next day, I'm just totally wiped out. Yeah. That uh, happens, but you mean, pretty. You want to tell everybody that uh, that big uh, purchase you made here recently. You want to tell everybody about that? Yeah, I bought a uh, 2019 Ford Escape, made by our Union brothers and sisters down in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's a great vehicle. I have yeah, seen I'm, pictures of the 2020 escape, and now I'm not too keen on that one. They changed the rear end a little bit, so um, but I love my escape. Okay, good. Escape. Yeah, that's that's a nice, nice, uh, like a little SUV, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it carries a lot of stuff in there, a lot of a lot of cargo and stuff. You're, you know, when you start yeah. golfing and all the rest of that stuff, you're going to be oh. camping, pull your, your motor haul or your uh, trailer with you and whatever that you wind up getting for lots of fun stuff. It's it's a vehicle that can do all of that or it makes you good. What, what I find interesting in the vehicle is if you stop at a red light for, I don't know, 30 seconds, your engine cuts off. And then when you put your foot off the brake, it starts back on. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah, it just helps save gas. 
so they say. But yeah, it's the engine just totally turns off, and you don't have to. Does, do it, does it have the, the starter engaged to start it back up again when you're ready to go? Yeah, I can hear the starter engage. Uh, okay, already, so I hope that's not too hard on start off the brake. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, I hate to be somewhere down in the middle of West Virginia, like I plan to go to this summer, and have it not work. But um, I do love the vehicle. I can get in and out of it easily. Um, it's got a lot of pickup for a 1.5 liter engine, but uh, straight car. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad. Well, that's your ups that you've been having the last couple of weeks. You've been, you know, getting that vehicle and getting it all situated the way you want it, getting new floor mats and stuff in it and stuff. You know, we talked talked about that through the through the weeks, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad you got it. I'm glad you you like it. It's a real nice vehicle. So yeah, yeah it's about the same size as your your uh, your vehicle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I drive an Equinox, uh, made in Canada mm-hmm. by high-wage yep. union members, okay? It's Correct. not made in the States, but the motor came from the U.S. A lot of the parts came from the U.S. here, so it isn't like we didn't help our brothers and sisters with that. But it's a very, very good vehicle. It's one of the better General Motors vehicles, and it, uh, you know, it's uh, also the top seller at General Motors, so... A lot of people are buying it, and we'd like to see that build at Lordstown. And you can do that anytime you want to, General Motors. Yep. Uh, so that's that's uh, one of the things that uh, they were thinking they might get at some point. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of good things. We don't know for sure, but a lot of good rumors out there about getting a product. They're still at Lordstown. There's a lot of heat on. Uh, you'll you'll see some of that in in our uh, announcements and things here. Uh, that's that are going on. And of course, we have that uh, request for treason uh, laws to be uh, reviewed to see if they're applicable to corporate citizens of the United States. So that's out there as well. So, well, you know, your team, you're a U of M fan, and you went down to Texas Tech here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, only scored 44 points, but uh, Texas Tech has a heck of a defense, so uh, you know, Michigan State had to play them last night in uh, the, the semifinals, the Final Four. And they had opportunity, Michigan State, to move on to the, the finals and play for the national championship. And as most people know, that uh, Michigan State lost to Texas Tech, uh, and they just didn't get it done. I mean, they didn't watch the U of M tape, evidently, because, you know, that was quite a defensive effort put on by Texas Tech to keep a good university like Michigan, University of Michigan, down to only 44 points. Uh, and the MSU uh, probably should have taken a little better note of that. So uh, that's, you know, a team that I follow, and I have friends that were national champions on the 78-79 team, one very close friend. Uh, so I I enjoy those friendships and uh 78-79, by the way, was an interesting year. They, um, uh, the uh, baseball, football, and basketball were all Big Ten champions that year for MSU, and 
the national championship for the basketball team, and the cheerleaders were national champions that year. So it was quite the year for Michigan State that year, and that's 40 years ago now, and and it's been 19 years since the uh, Team Cleves national championship in 2000. So a lot of people were really upbeat about having won every 20 years or so, so that didn't happen. Three of the players are coming back. So anyhow, with that said, that's kind of what's been going on around here, and a lot of people got their dauber down. And I went out and did a little yard work and just worked that off uh, throughout all of this. So anyhow, let's get back to the show. Uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, so let's start the announcements, Jeff, and if you want to take the odd ones, and I'll take the even ones, and we'll just go down through them. How's that? Okay, sounds good. Uh, number one, Working for a Living Radio Show continues to support Medicare for everyone. Number two, Working for a Living Radio Show continues to support the end of corporations being considered legal citizens. Uh, number three, Working for a Living vehemently opposes General Motors' November 26th decision and dominates them to reverse that ill-conceived decision immediately. Right. Number four, the UAW continues to urge a boycott of the Mexico-built Chevy Blazer. And we want to thank everybody that uh, showed up uh, and called the Detroit Tigers uh, when they put a blazer uh, on the, the stadium there to be featured for opening day. Uh, that Mexico-built Chevrolet blazer was taken down last Saturday at 9 a.m. because of all the activism of the people that called. And thank you to each and every person that called. We urged people in, in our network, in our group, to do that. Others did as well. Thank everybody for their leadership and their, their rank-and-file uh, efforts to show our strength to get that Chevy taken down. Thank you very much. Jeff? Uh, number five, due to the world's cyclical economic reality in the 2015 Detroit Three Contracts, Working for a Living encourages all Detroit three retirees to immediately establish other streams of income sufficient enough pension monies. Number six, March 19, 2019. Representative, I'm, yeah, March 29th, I'm sorry. And Representative Andy uh, Levin, uh, D. Michigan, ripped into GM CEO Mary Barra over the closing of a factory in his district. Uh, number seven, April 1st, 2019, General Motors wants lawsuit involving Lordstown Union thrown out because the union didn't exhaust the internal remedies. Number eight, April 1st, 2019, Ford to transfer over 1,000 workers at Flat Rock Assembly Plant. Jeff, do you have any comments on that? Uh, yeah, they're, they're starting to move people now. 
they're doing they're moving fifty one people a week. Uh they are going to Michigan truck or Livonia transmission. Those are the two choices for the flat rock members. Now we'll get into the show a little bit later about what may happen to the temporary workers at Flat Rock because we have a lot of them there. So we'll talk more about that later. Okay, good. Uh, go ahead with nine. April 2nd, 2019, United Steel Workers Local. Two, what's that? 2209, which represents about 730 employees at Harley's Factory on Pilgrim Road in Minomino, Meaning Falls, West. Chopped that one up. Turned, turned down a proposed contract, which included a 2,250 signing bonus and a retirement incentive for those eligible to retire. UAW, take note, coming to a union near you. Yeah, we can I see that probably, happen. Yeah, see some contracts turned down if uh, this isn't a good contract. We're going to we're gonna start working on some of those issues one by one, working on temporaries tonight and uh, the Constitution and some ramifications. Uh, so let's get to number 10. April 2nd, the Erie News reported that GE slash Wabtec workers to get unemployment compensation after strike ruled a lockout. Number 11, April 2nd, 2019, Norwood Churl pleaded guilty to breaking federal laws, labor laws, the Sports Creek resident could spend up to five years in prison. Computers have agreed to recommend a 15-month sentence. Number 12, April 3, 2019, Wall Street Journal reported U.S. shift on Mexico border triggers trade bottleneck. Trump's redeployment of U.S. border agents to Managed flow of migrants is prompting longer lines and wait times for commercial trucks, costing millions of dollars. April 4th, 2019, CNBC reported job layoffs surged 35% to the highest level to start a year in a decade. Number 14, April 5th, 2019, CBS reported K, Zales, and Jared Jewelers, owned by the same company, to close 150 stores. Jeff, do you want to expand on that? You've been kind of following some of these uh, residual uh, store closings. Do you want to comment further on that? Yeah. Um, I've been going to... Uh the local mall here about once a week, twice a week. Um, Jamie Robinson is a big jewelry store here in the Detroit area. I guess they're also owned by K Jewelers. It looks like that whole company is just going to go under, uh, close up shop. Um, I don't see how number 45 thinks the economy is going so good when all these businesses are closing 
Um, people are losing jobs. Uh, big companies who've been around for years are just closing down. Right. Well, your shoe company that you like, that's closing too, right? Yeah, that was a, a very old-fashioned shoe store. I mean, you go in, they sit you down, they measure your foot. Um, people are retiring. That's what I seen yesterday when I drove by it. You had a huge sign, store closing, they're retiring. So they've been the same family for like 72 years. And uh, I guess they decided they had enough. But it was a very popular shoe store in the down every area. And I really like going there. They treated you like, you know, your family. So you walk in the door there, somebody's right there to greet you in. Right. Well, a lot of little stores are closing. So it's uh, pretty sad to see all of that, the mom-and-pop stores closing. And some chain stores and J.C. Penney's. You know, yes. Been, you know, a lot of, you know, Sears has closed a lot of stores. So uh, go ahead, take 15, then we'll get on to the next segment. April 5th, 2019, pensions and freeze pay and limit bargaining rights for all federal workers. Well, that concludes the announcements. There's been, you know, probably some other things that uh, we didn't get to, but, you know, that's those are the highlights. We've had a lot of stuff there, uh, you know, including our own uh, bad stuff with our own union there without you know, beating a dead horse to death. It's uh, it's sad, and there's a lot more coming. So just hopefully we can through this without a, a lot of uh, heartache. So uh, and get back to being a good union. We're laying down some ground rules for some of this bargaining team stuff going on, and uh, we'll we'll see how they do. All right, our next segment is uh, messages and emails. Jeff, do you want to take the uh, Odd ones, and I'll take even ones here. Okay. Today I have 20 years of service at Ford Motor Company. I would like to thank all those who paved the way for me to be able to have this opportunity. I hope and pray that I am going to doing the same for those who come behind me. Happy 25th, 4th anniversary, solidarity forever, and the name is withheld. That was a you know just a very good testimonial to thank everybody around him. That was such a nice thing you know that came in and uh, we really really uh, some of these things are just heartfelt. They just know that they have what they got because of the union and they're happy to have it. They express it. The next one I'll take number two. Uh, January 2017, I was laid off from my home plant in Lordstown which brought me to Parma, Ohio, for the past two years. Today was my last day in Parma. Thank you to everyone who made my two-year commute the most memorable. I'm going to miss you all. As the reality of making life-changing decisions sets in, I will be heading to Wentzville, Missouri. Thank you, my peeps, who are supporting slash helping me through this next transition. I love you all. Name with Hill. Uh, number three, 
I will remember when a union charge for a living was trotting, was repatronizing and insourcing in this contract cycle, and I have been hearing insourcing as one of the top priorities. Can you please tell me your opinion of how that will affect us who are in the third party suppliers name withheld? Um, Jeff, you know, we've, we've been talking about repatriating, that's bringing jobs back from other countries, and insourcing, bringing jobs back from third-party suppliers for some time. I believe that's probably where it was first mentioned, actually, on this show. Uh, and that's what the, uh, the writer is saying here, that they've heard us saying that for some time. And they want our, our thoughts on on uh, what... Uh, because they're, they work at a third-party third party supplier, how this would be handled regarding them. We, uh, in our opinion, uh, it would be handled, you know, best if they, when they go to a third-party supplier and say, okay, we really want to buy you out and we're going to now... Uh, bring that in-house so we have control over it. Whether they actually physically move you from that location, which is probably not going to occur because of logistics of moving heavy equipment back into a plant that may or may not have room for you, they likely will just keep you there and then change the management team's uh, authority over you because that owner wouldn't have that company anymore that uh, the you know Detroit 3 would be uh, insourcing you so the notion that you would come into uh, the uh, uh, company that insources you whether it's for GM or Chrysler uh, would just simply be uh, on paper for most of you you'd still keep your job uh, ideally uh, if they wanted to move you it's eventually into a, a closer uh, ven- you know venue so that they had you know like in, under the same roof not just under the same uh, company name then they may do that but you would probably stay in your own uh, facility uh, ideally there's there's um, and, 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 and there's precedent for this in the past that they would allow you to keep your seniority uh, depending on who's negotiating it. Because we've seen it both ways, where they keep it and where they don't keep it. But this is depending on your union leader uh, that uh, negotiate uh, your being brought in. But typically you would keep your your seniority date and uh, then you would just be a... Uh, employee of Ford, GM, or Chrysler, uh, as opposed to being a third-party supplier. Uh, this benefits the the company a great deal. It makes them what's called vertically integrated. In other words, uh, they build the products in-house. Currently, uh, the Detroit Three core companies are having a lot of problems quality third-party suppliers, and they can't control that like they'd like to and it's costing millions of dollars, and this has come from several
this isn't an isolated item. We're hearing it from around the, the nation. And uh, it's costing a lot of money. And they, you know, Ford went vertically integrated to the point where he started a steel mill even, you know. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was build tires, to my knowledge. I mean, he he, he got in a, a big old on flab with the DeSoto brothers who were making his brakes, I think if I'm correct in saying that, and he just insourced that. I mean, he just realized the value of having control of the quality in-house, and uh, nobody could strike and affect him. So he maintained control. Now, in the late 80s and early mid-80s, I guess, there was a in General Motors quite a, a discussion over some time, you know, four or five years, over whether to remain vertically integrated or not. And it's now, you know, the union's pushing this uh, because it's it's really in our advantage as a union to have a better quality product. You know, it just it, it, it's good for long-term job security. And that's what the number one thing ought to be, job security for our for our all of our workers. Lots of other things out there, but one, make sure we have a job. So, you know, notwithstanding that GM doesn't really make the best decisions and hasn't for some time, you know, there's a push on by, by the union to do that. You know, whether or not that came from our show or not, who knows. Uh, I know the people that are in the third-party suppliers are worried about losing seniority. Um, I believe you're going to keep it if it's done right. And he would just come under and, you know, basically continue to do the same job. They're not going to lay you off and hire a bunch of new people to train them in a job that, you know, you already know. just makes good sense, business sense to do that. So um, having said all of that, I hope that answers your question to us. Uh, okay, so do uh, you got any more comments on that, Jeff? Uh yeah, you said something about the tires. Um, Henry Ford and Harvey Firestone were very close friends. Um, Ford bought tires from him. Uh, two families are so close that uh, William Clay Ford, uh, son of Henry, and the owner of the Detroit Lions who passed away about a year ago, he married Martha Firestone. Right. So those three, and there was another person. Well, Thomas Edison. You had Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, and Thomas Edison uh, really hung out together with each other over the decades. Um, they're really close friends. So. Yeah. Well, you know, the Firestone Farms... Uh, are southwest of Youngstown, Ohio, and the Firestone family built a lot of their tires in Akron, Ohio. So uh, yes. that's that's kind of that connection and adds to that connection you're talking about. So they weren't really that mm-hmm. far apart, you know, uh, in, in when they, you know, get in a car. And even back then, uh, you know, they could drive in three or four hours to be, you know, to their other place or get on a plane. You know, a lot of them had access to planes and stuff at that time as well. So, uh, so it's easy to maintain those. You know, my I have relation that was um, 
married to the Krogus family, so and some other families in the Pittsburgh area. If you know anything about me, you know that my family settled in Pitt, north of Fort Pitt in 1720. So uh, much of the north side of Pittsburgh is named after my my family, and there was a lot of intermarrying with the you know families uh, that you might recognize in the Pittsburgh area. So uh, there's there's a healthy relationship there. So a lot of these old old folks, they just, you know, you know, they would uh and before they really got to be what they were, you know, they got they got close to one another and they became friends and these business relationships existed and family relationships. So yes. yeah. Um, so, with that said, we'll go on to number five. Unless you got anything else, Jeff. Okay. Mahoney uh, County. Said, like, well, I'm sorry. I said, I said five. I meant four. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a request. Leroy, uh, contemporary work, workers vote. This came in by telephone uh, by somebody from another caucus, and I really kind of was a little bit rude. Uh, telling them they should ask the person that they supported for president of the UAW this question, but I'm going to answer it here on the show for them because we do the right thing in the end, notwithstanding that if they're asking me, maybe they should have supported our team. Uh, So having said that, Leroy, can temporary workers vote? Okay, temporary workers, whether they're these you know, part-time temporaries, sometimes called flex temporaries, or temporaries that are working full-time. They uh, pay union dues, and they, as such, are members of the union. And the Constitution's very clear. Members of the union may vote. Constitution is very clear about that. UAW Constitution. Members of the union may vote. So, a temporary worker who's a member, paying dues, may vote. That's in my opinion. Okay, but it's also backed up by the Constitution, and that's pronounced uh, so that you know, Jeff. That's pronounced Mahoning County. I know a lot of people that have just uh, been blindsided by that word. So, as we go to number five, go ahead, brother. Okay. That county, Forest <laughs> County Area Sheriff, has reported a major increase of foreclosures and child support arrearages. Do you have any suggestions? Name withheld. Okay. So, I, I don't have any suggestions. It's just the economy is really bad. Right. right. These banks are taking advantage of homeowners. Right. These layoffs there in the, that Lordstown area. Um, this is the highlights of a very long email, um, and you know the comment was made that you know there's a lot of domestic violence going on. Families have been split up. People don't have any money. They're getting you know their their unemployment and their subpay, and it is half of what they're used to making and they're not being able to make their child support or spousal support or their mortgage payment or apartment apartments and they're getting foreclosed on. So 
Uh, and I must say that this went on when the steel mills closed back in the late 70s, early 80s in Youngstown, Ohio. I actually wrote a very nice article about the, the, the things that were going on at that time. And it was kind of sad for me to go home and write that, but I did. I went back and did some interviews just because I'm curious and uh, rode around town and just saw, saw some things and wrote about it. And, the, you know, the churches start to go under and the businesses, you know, start to go under. And you see this domestic violence and everything go up. So, um, first of all, if you, let's just talk about this. If you have a domestic order for child support or spousal support, okay, and your income has changed, it takes three pay stubs to, to show the change. And you can take that immediately to the friend of the court and have that adjusted according to your current income, not on the income that you had with uh, being employed at General Motors. So as you get your third paycheck, as soon as it comes in the mail, your first ignition start of your vehicle should be with a destination in mind of the friend of the court or whatever county you live in, Trumbull, Mahoning, or if you're over in Pennsylvania, Sharpsville, Sharon, or anything like that. Get there and get your amount adjusted as soon as possible, okay? Please do that. That will help you. My own son didn't do that, and he owned a small cement company making a lot of money, and they had his child support set some $60,000 a year, and he didn't get it adjusted, and he just you know, got nuts. It was just crazy. So um, he's you know having to deal with that even today. Uh, so, um, you uh, you get it adjusted as soon as you can. That's a, I mean, you know, I have family members that uh, took that class, so to speak. So just get in there and get it adjusted as soon as you can. Regardless if they have a warrant for you or anything, just or show cause, just get in there and get it dealt with as soon as you can and deal with the show cause hearing that you're not able to pay X, Y, and Z by and through your uh, showing up to get that done. That's not legal advice, and you can check it with an attorney if you want to. It's just experiential advice, okay? Get it get it adjusted. Regarding foreclosures and getting out of, you know, eviction notices, stay in communication with your lender or your um, apartment owner, okay, that's the best thing you can do. If you're not talking to them and you're avoiding them, they're going to throw you out, okay? And the last thing they want is to have zero coming in. If you're giving them even half, just tell them, hey, things are bad. You know, you're better off me giving you two-thirds or a half or whatever than having this place empty, Okay, so work with them, and you'd be surprised. In a really bad economy, they'll work with you too. They don't want to have a bunch of zeros on their their revenue. They want to have something. So what this is doing is driving prices down in that area. So 
just, you know, stay engaged with your lender, stay engaged with your landlord, stay engaged with a friend of the court. Let everybody know what's going on. Get your order adjusted, your child support order, your spousal support order adjusted as soon as you have three paychecks, okay? Please do that, okay? There's, I mean, there's suicides going on. There's just all kinds of stuff going on. And it's horrible what this corporation has done. Horrible. And we're going to hold them to account. We, You heard we have a congressman in the name of Levin. His, this is like second or third generation Levin. And he's mad for, you know, doing what they're doing in Michigan. But we're going to see what he what traction we can get with, with him, too. So we'll see. Uh, but, you know, stay engaged with with the people around you and, and see what you can do. And then, you know, see what kind of job you can do. I'm told, and I've experienced this as well, that you can make up to half of your unemployment and not have it affect your unemployment. So as long as you're getting your unemployment, then you can get your sub, I believe, and then you can still go out there and make half of your unemployment without affecting anything. So if your unemployment's 500, you go make 250. Now you're making that thousand dollars a week again. Okay. So with your sub that's around two, 250, whatever. So you're getting close to it. So go get a small part-time job if you can. I know they're drying up. And this is why we told people get out there early and get those jobs. Don't sit around waiting because it will catch you up to you and bite you in the butt. All right. Well, you know, again, you know, if you don't, you know, want to think that we're correct or accurate, contact your lawyer or contact your financial advisor and ask them the same question. We're just here trying to help. Okay. So, and we have to say that in order to keep ourselves out of trouble a little bit too. But we offer a little bit of uh, advice from time to time, but you know, not on what to buy or anything like that, other than what we bought. Like Jeff bought nice cars on what I do. So, having said all that, uh, do you have any more comment on that uh, number five, Jeff? No, I mean, I can drive around the neighborhoods. And just see these empty homes up here in the Down River area, and so it's very depressing. You know, these are nice neighborhoods. Some of the homes are vacant because they've been foreclosed, and um, just sad. Just sad. Yes, it is. Um, so let's uh, let's go on to this week's definitions. Uh, Jeff, you want to take the? We got two uh, of each here: quotes and definitions. So, Jeff, you want to take the first one? Okay. Opportunist, one that is optimistic or that practices optimism. Opportunism, right? Okay, optimism. one that is up op- or that practices opportunism. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you know, a lot of people out there, you know, do that. They just, you know, do it. And then uh, in order to further expound on that, we, the second uh, 
definition is opportunism itself. That was part of the first definition, so we had to go deep on this one and get the second one. Opportunism, the art, policy, or practice of taking advantage of opportunities or circumstances, often with little regard for principles or consequences. So we'll see if the bargaining teams are opportunists, opportunists or if they're you know, taking uh, the opportunity to be oppor- and engage in opportunism. Hopefully not, because this shouldn't be for your own personal gain. All right, so, uh, this week's quotes, um, this is kind of a cool one. You know, we had Cesar Chavez uh, celebrations here because of his birthday in the past week or so, end of um, uh, March, I think it's 26th is his birthday, um, if I recall correctly. Uh, you want to take that first one, Jeff? Preservation is one of is of one's own culture does not require contempt or disrespect for other cultures. Okay, so Caesar Caesar Caesar. Yeah. Uh, two, um, a slick, shady, amoral opportunist who has only one desire to get through life without a day of labor. Alan Ulrich said that quote. Okay, we got through all of that, Jeff. Some of them, some of them words are a little, little testy for any of us to say. So, uh, you know, real proud of you for getting through that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, so, uh, uh, we want to talk about the temporaries, the Constitution, and. Uh, ramifications or consequences for violating the Constitution. So, Jeff, you know, you, you've been into plants more recently than I, and one, you know, we both know what's going on in there, but you want to describe a temporary situation, especially when they start to set time studies for a temporary and what happens after that temporary leaves that job. You want to go through that for Mm -hmm. us? Sure. Um, Every year, every plant has a goal to reduce headcount by 3%. When they do that, they go out and time certain jobs that may seem unproductive. Um, So they will send out IE personnel, an engineer, and they'll put a temporary worker on that particular job. Well, temporary workers don't understand, so they try to rush themselves in order to make you know, to make time. Because they don't know what's going on. They're just told to do this and they have X amount of seconds to do the job. And that, my friends, is illegal. When I was a rep, the IE doing the exact same thing. And I went out and raised all kinds of hell. So when they cannot do time studies on a temporary worker, because they, they are afraid and they that they will lose their job. So that that does happen when a full, their full-time worker gets back on that job, 
they are expected to do the same job in the same time that they use off of the temporary workers. And there's no way that can happen. You have police temporary workers or young kids, a lot of energy, and you throw somebody who's been in the plant for years, their body hurts, and, you know, they're just tired of, of the BS inside the plants. And it makes for a bad situation on the shop floor by using temporary workers to do time studies. I was lucky enough to get a few of them stopped during my three years as a throughout. And everybody should be made aware of that. Um, In all the plants, make sure there's no time studies and um, using temporary workers. Right. We hope the bargaining uh, teams are listening. When you're at the bargaining table, uh, you need to keep that in mind, that there would be no time studies ever done by a temporary worker under duress of loss of job if they didn't get that job completed and then impose that on seniority employees. Okay, You need to, you need to keep that in mind, bargaining teams. Okay. Um, yes. That's a horrible situation, isn't it, Jeff? Yes, it is. I mean, it caused a lot of grief and stress, and just for a bad, bad situation. Um, right. Luckily, I was able to uh, stop some of these. So. Right. Um, and you know, some of these people get hurt these temporaries mm-hmm. while they're trying to establish, uh, you know, themselves in the plant, and they get hurt on a job because they're doing, you know, more work than sometimes what's humanly possible, very clearly, actually, because they got hurt doing it. So it's not humanly possible to do that over an extended period of time. And there's been six that I'm aware of that have been discharged and it should have been a workers' comp injury, but they're, they're claiming that they're temporary workers and they're not subject to that. So the, the states in which these discharges have occurred are looking into that, and hopefully they'll get that reversed. Uh, some of the people have just simply moved on into different jobs, which is also sad uh, that they had to just leave the corporation because they were so abused. And, Jeff, did you... Uh, I had to go screen somebody for a minute and see if they want to come on the show. By the way, the switchboard is pretty full, and somebody actually hit one uh, inadvertently, and uh, I had to go check and see if they want to come on the the show, and uh, they didn't. But uh, uh, I didn't catch if you talked about the opiates that are given to the the people in order to do the jobs once the pain starts setting in. Did you discuss that? No, I did not, Leroy. Um, opioids are big problems in the plants. Um, those older workers we can't do things we could 20, 30 years ago. And a lot of pain. And you go down to the medical center, tell them you hurt, 
and they'll just give you pain pills until you go back to work. And um, I can tell you myself that I had to take a lot of pain pills during my shifts over the last five, six years before I retired. My body just couldn't take it no more. And there was an article about a year and a half ago in the free press that they are blaming the auto workers on the opioid uh, crisis here in in the state of Michigan and and around the country. Uh, If the work wasn't so hard, people wouldn't be getting hurt. Right. Pain pills. Right. A fair day's work for a fair day's pay means that a fair day's work, you shouldn't have to take an opioid to be able to sustain the pain in order to get through your day. Correct, Jeff? Correct. Shouldn't have to do that. We want. And then the company, after a while, they don't want liability for getting you hooked on them, so they stop giving them to you. And then what happens, Jeff? Uh, a lot of problems. Yeah, they go out and buy them on a black market, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. So the corporations themselves are causing this, and it needs to stop. Our communities need to start standing up and saying, we're tired of policing your problem, General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. You know, it's supposed to be a fair day's work for fair day's pay. And that's what that's about. We got away from that a long time ago, and we got to get back to that. So as you bargainers and the bargaining team go to the table, you need to also remember about fair day's work, okay, and bring up the issue of people having to take narcotics just to be able to do their job pain-free. That's wrong. It's simple wrong. And it needs to stop, and that will help our country get this opioid crisis under control because people are dying, overdosing and dying a lot. So we got to stop it. And that's one of the things. And of course, you know, the temporaries are also temporaries beyond 90 days. I mean, there's still language in the contract that says 90 days, they acquire seniority. And that was in the contracts forever until just recently when they, in 2015, they they changed that, or 2007 it changed, but they really changed in 2015 with, I believe, in the, in the General Motors Agreement, Penix D, dealing with temporaries that say that they, uh, they'll stay temporary until the national parties meet and agree on making them seniority employees. Well, this isn't subject to somebody's whim at the national parties, okay? They need to start having seniority at 90 days like it was because that stops all of these problems, okay? One of the problems occurred when General Motors at Fort Wayne Remember, General Motors wanted this temporary status stuff. They pushed it down our throat, okay? And then, under the current language, okay, the temporary 
letter for authorization for temporaries at Fort Wayne was not renewed. General Motors has a responsibility to administer the contract regarding temporaries and regarding uh, the transfer of temporaries or transfer of uh, seniority employees. Okay, if they can't administer the agreement, it's not our fault. Okay, Fort Wayne had a letter that expired sometime in October for the use of temporary workers. Okay, and that was one of the methods that they would have to lay those workers off and then start accepting seniority employees for other plants. They did not lay them off. General Motors failed to do their job. It is not the bargaining chair's position, who later was forced into writing a grievance on both sides of the issue. And he wrote a letter saying, I had to write a grievance on both sides of this issue. I was forced to do it. It's not his fault that he had to do that. The corporation failed administrating the contract as they were supposed to do it. So the corporation can't even get their temporary administration under, under control under their own auspices. And then they blame the bargaining chair. The bargaining chair is doing a great job there. There is nothing wrong with him writing a grievance on both sides of that issue because the corporation failed to do their job as required because when that, when that letter expired and was not renewed, it is the only circumstance by which a temporary is forced. If they work beyond that letter, they're forced into a seniority situation. In other words, they are forced... If they work a day past the expiration of that temporary authorization letter by the union, our union, then, then that person gets seniority. So they were seniority status. They were not temporary because they were allowed by corporation to work beyond. So you see... The corporations ask for all this temporary status, and they don't even know how to administer it properly. And then they try to blame our people that are doing a good job, like Chairman Rich Latoro at Fort Wayne Truck Assembly. So we don't want to hear that about our leadership that's doing a good job. The corporation can't handle it. They ought to go back to the way it was. 90 days, that's it. And there's another reason why it should be 90 days. And the bargaining teams need to take great notice of this, what we're about to tell you. Jeff, would you please read under the heading of ramifications? Sure. Uh, you're the constitutional uh, uh, expert here on the show. Uh, and you brought this up a couple of times. You know, you've been doing the Constitution series here. You know, I might interpret it for people 
but you bring it to everybody's attention. Would you please read Article 13, Section 22? The International Secretary-Treasurer shall issue a standard work permit card which shall be furnished to local unions at cost. Such work permits shall be canceled or renewed every 30 days following the date containing thereon. The charge for each work permit or renewal by the local union shall not be less than the amount of the monthly dues set by the local union, one half of which shall be paid to the international union. It shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for more than three consecutive months. Article 13, Section 22 um, spells it out right there. And that's, that's uh, well, I guess I got to put some blame on the leadership downtown for not supporting this language. This is our constitution, not the company's constitution. Correct. So. The company doesn't dictate when our members get uh, seniority status in our union. We do. And the contract is supposed to uh, reflect that UAW constitution. Okay? The company cannot ask or demand that we break our constitution. And they've done that since 2007. Arguably as we look to people like Norwood Jewell, vice president, but he was only vice president for a term or part of a term. And then the one before was also tainted. So we could look at the 2007, 2011, and the 2015 agreements of being tainted. And, of course, being tainted to the point where we violate our own constitution and negotiations with the corporation to allow temporaries to be more than three consecutive months. Or, as spelled out in the previous language prior to 2007, 90 days when they acquire seniority status. You see now we've demonstrated that the corporation doesn't know how to administer this complicated language so they need to go back to simplified language, 90 days, and that's it. If you want to play your games, so be it. You're going to play them any damn how. You're playing them now. About 90 days, lay them off and then bring them back or lay them off forever and never bring them back. But there's ways of getting around that, too. They're saying if they get to a certain point, then they may not be laid off unless there's actually a reduction in force beyond just the 90-day people. Okay, so they have to have a real reduction in force, not just a contrived one. Okay, so you can think about that. But I'm going to tell you something. This language in our Constitution is very clear. Work permits be issued to any worker. Oh, I'm sorry, in no case, however, shall work permits 
be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. Okay? That means that they have to acquire senior... They cannot be temporary work permit more than three consecutive months. They must be made seniority employees after essentially 90 days, at the most 92 days according to this. Okay? And I think as as less as 89 days, depending on the the calendar month, the way it's uh, situated. So here's your charge, bargaining teams. Abide by the UAW Constitution. Tell the corporation that you're going to go back and just use the 90 days language that's in there. You're going to drop that Appendix D or whatever it is in the Ford and Chrysler contract. And you're going to just simply go back to 90 days because they can't administer it if, if it's more than more complex than that. They're just not able to handle complex issues. Okay? Please listen to this and have have your guys just take a take a little short break and and just listen to what we're about to tell you because here's the thing I've already let me let me say this if you in any case do not abide by the UAW constitution you are subject to article 33 charges article 33 charges Jeff, does that include up until up until and including losing your membership? If anybody can speak to that, you can. If you're charged with Article 33 charges and a violation of the Constitution of the UAW, can you lose your membership? Yes, you can. Okay. So all of their dreams, all of their dreams about being an international staff rep because they happen to be on the national bargaining team would be mute, then, wouldn't they, if they don't abide by this agreement? Sure. Or put the agreement, abide by the Constitution with the, within the agreement of the, UA, uh, the contract with the Detroit Three, whichever one. Is that correct? That's correct. They'd be subject to charges if they if they violate it again. It's been violated yes. in the past, but if they don't correct it this time, then it's another violation, right? Correct. Yeah, and they're, they're told that you have to catch them between before the uh, the the, the uh, uh, statute of limitations tolls, and that's a very brief time. I think ninety days. Mm-hmm. As I recall, so, uh, but we'll have a 90-day appeal of the contract, and I guarantee you, you know, others want to break our union, supplant the union. We're not going to do that here on Working for a Living. We're going to hold you to the UAW Constitution. I guarantee you. Listen very, very closely. If you do not end the temporary situation that currently exists, if you do not return it to the 90 days as required by the UAW Constitution, you will, one, get an appeal, immediate appeal of the contract. Two, you will get an immediate Article 33 for each and every bargaining team member at the national level 
to be charged with violation of the UAW Constitution. That puts a whole new light on your negotiating table. You get back to what it's supposed to be according to the Constitution. The company doesn't set that. It's our rule, and if they're doing business with us, they have to abide by our rule. End of story. If you do not fix this for these temporaries, for all of the reasons we've just spoke to, you will lose your membership almost assuredly. We're not going to threaten you with voting no or voting this way, voting that way. We're going to supplant you. We're just going to take your frickin' membership from you. Do your job according to the UAW Constitution. And that's the way an administration would be done with different leadership. We'll see what this leadership brings. Okay. Well, we've kind of put them on notice for that, Jeff. We know they listen. Let's see what they do. Yeah. To help them, you know, we're trying to help them get a better contract for the workers. First of all, they have all of those issues out there that we discussed here this evening. That's a lot of ammunition we gave them to go ahead and get what they want. And they can pay for that by doing away with authorization for the corporations to have dead peasants insurance more than pays for it. Okay. So some of my uh, reporter friends who listen to us uh, are taking note of this um, because they can really help us out. That's good. Um, We have, you know, we're just here trying to be good for the membership. And if other people Mm -hmm. can help us and help the membership in doing so, we we really appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, we do. Uh, You know, uh, geez, we got somebody piping in here on the, let's see what we got. Uh, We have a little comment from, oh, okay. uh, Thanks. Uh, we're, We're almost done. Uh, somebody's phone's dying on them. They <laughs> sent a message in. Okay. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're almost done here. So uh, we understand that some some people have had their phone out a long time. And uh, I was on the, just be, for everybody's edification, I was on the phone most of the weekend uh, on parliamentary procedure issues because I've got extensive experience in that. And uh, I was assisting uh, um, uh, some efforts at a, uh, a meeting, and it was uh, it came out just the way we expected it to. And it's kind of classically funny, uh, so it, it was uh, a good good thing occurred. Uh, and I'd get those calls and, and get into extended conversations about such things and all the what ifs and what ifs and what ifs. Uh, so we we. We're happy to to help uh, and teach some of the rank and file and some of the leadership as uh, we all grow to be better union. And that's our purpose here. Okay. Um, So, Jeff, 
you know, um, we've been promoting some things to to help our bargaining team uh, here in this show today, and you know, with the rank and file. Uh, in in your opinion, what's the best thing we as members can do between now and contract settlement? Um, best thing we can do is everybody wear a red shirt every Wednesday. Um, that shows a sign of solidarity uh, within our union and within your local. Uh, so please. Wear a red shirt every Wednesday. That, that's a hint. That's what we should do. Yeah, okay. Uh, th- does that send a message to both management and to our bargaining team that we're unified in in what we want, You know, for example, in the temporary issue? Yes, I believe it will. Um, it strength sends a strong message um, to both. Right. Right. leadership and management. Yeah, a lot of people kind of downplay that. It doesn't mean anything, but when management or the bargaining teams walk in through the plant and see a sea of red shirts throughout the plant facility, it's going to get under their skin. It's going to bother them. So we encourage everybody to do that. We try to remind everybody every week this has been kind of a busy week. I didn't get it posted out, but we'll try and do that as many Wednesdays as we can. So, um, uh, having said that, uh, and uh, we are a little past eight o'clock. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to discuss, Jeff? We covered a lot of stuff tonight. I have one question for you, Leroy. Okay. Um, I I do a lot of shopping on eBay, so I like to collect things, especially. UAW memorabilia. Well, I found 25-year UAW membership pins, 30-year membership pins, retirement, retired UAW membership pins. Just loads of things you can buy off, off eBay. And I was on it the other night, and they were selling associate member pins. I have never heard of that term. Do you, would you happen to know what that means, associate member? Yeah, the Constitution provides for an associate membership. Uh, these are people that have an interest in being in the union. They're not voting members at all. They can't. They may not vote. As I recall, and I'm right off the top of my head, uh, they, you know, there are uh, there are provisions for associate members and. This would be some interested party that's perhaps, let's say it's an attorney who does a lot of work with the UAW, and they just want to be a member, you know, an associate member, so they uh, have um, access to some of the the um, um, trade magazines or articles or newspapers that we put out. Uh, and, you know, and they can brag to their friends that they're an associate member. Uh, so, I mean, I, I guess I know a couple people like that, uh, and there's actually a provision f- for a former member that gets promoted uh, out of the bargaining unit to be a member as well. And I 
you and I both had a problem with that going into the last ConCon. Uh, I don't think that any member that's been promoted into management, this happens with here in Michigan, for example, the state workers, the, you know, we, we represent most of the, the state workers in the state of Michigan, that local 6,000 uh, still has. At one time had 20,000 members. They still have around 16,000 members. And, uh, you know, these people are upward, upwardly mobile, and they a lot of them educated. <coughs> and the higher your education level is, the better chance of you getting promoted. And uh, they get promoted uh, in, you know, beyond. They might not be a manager. In fact, a friend of mine's an IT worker, and he's been promoted out of the bargaining unit. And uh, so he's not necessarily a manager, uh, but he got promoted to a level uh, that is not in the bargaining unit anymore. So he, uh, this guy, uh, is not a member. But if he's not actually in the bargaining unit, working in the bargaining unit, other than associate member, you should not be a full member. And that was our opinion when you went over that in the membership uh, part of the Constitution. And I believe when we read it that there's an associate member uh, aspect to the membership. Now, I might stand correct. Somebody's just sent something in. So maybe they have a better take on that because I'm answering kind of off the top of my head here. Uh, no, that looks like it wasn't an IM so for Facebook. So... Uh, we'll uh, uh, just go with that for now. I'm pretty sure that you know that, that that's been there. And if there's pens out there, almost de facto, that they had it uh, and you know promoted it a little more than they they do recently. In the past, people were real proud of the UAW being in their community, and you know want to be associate member. Some spouses did that uh, as well. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, so they, you know, I mean, the red hat ladies are still prevalent in the state of Michigan. These are the women that yes. supported the down strikers down in, in 19, uh, you know, starting 36, uh, New Year's Day, New Year's 36, and went on to February 11th that we now celebrate as White Shirt Day of 37. Uh, and the red hat ladies were very instrumental in the success of that uh, sit-down sit strike. Uh, and they still meet regularly, and and you'll see them out in a the restaurant. And they have the red hat, and they're revered. They're revered in these towns where labor is well known. I, I've seen some a couple, few years back. Um, yep. I went to the local Texas Roadhouse, and there was two or three tables full of ladies wearing red hats. Right, right, or so. Uh, so, having said that, uh, well, I hope I answered your question best as I could. I mean, there's a lot to that membership and reasons why people wanted to be associate members. Uh, so, uh, and you can be, you know, in most uh, nonprofit organizations, that's what the UAW is, uh, you know, you can have associate memberships. You know, the, I happen to be a member of the Moose and, uh, you know, w women of the Moose. Are members, but their membership mm -hmm. is a little bit different, and uh, then they, you know, they're like an associate member, but they can recommend members and bring people in and stuff like that. But typically.
basically it's a male-dominated organization. But again, the women are revered for their their part. You know, they run 50-50s. If I'm in there, I I always support all their efforts and do what I can to be very supportive. So, you know, other organizations do that as well, Jeff. So I hope that uh, answered your your question. Uh, Having said that, anything else? No, sir. Okay. Well, uh, we kind of covered a lot of stuff tonight in this temporary thing. Uh, We're serious about this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bargaining team. Uh, We're going to hold you to account, okay? To the degree, if you violate the Constitution, we're going to make sure that you are outed for that. We're not screwing around here. This is too big a deal for our members and for our communities. For us not to make sure you do your job. It's easy to do. We gave you a lot of ammunition for all of the reasons, all of the reasons to get it changed back to 90 days. So please, please pay attention. It's not that we're threatening you. You have ammunition now to go forward. But guarantee you, if it's there, when the ink is dry with your signatures on it, if the current language remains, there will be ramifications. Okay. Thank you. Uh, having said that, I don't have anything else either now, Jeff. Um, so I want to thank all our listeners around the globe. Um, we do have some in uh, Finland and Norway and Sweden that listen regularly and some that, that bleeds down into Russia and uh, all the other Scandinavian countries. We have a lot of people in Europe listening. When we postponed the show, we got a lot of feedback. You know, we're looking forward to coming back. They liked that we notified them because they were looking for the show last week. So thank you for all of our listeners worldwide, especially those that really, really are engaged every week uh, and look forward to the show and, and get uh, a lot of value out of what we say here and can uh, figure out, you know, a lot of stuff that's going on here in the United States. Uh, some of you may not have access, and you're, this is your access point for things, all things labor. So thank you for listening around the world. Thanks to our friends and listeners in Canada and in Mexico. Uh, you know, we wish you all the best. There's, you know, a little thing with... Uh, the truck going away at uh, Oshawa that's been a a BIQ-4 plant for as long as they've had that. It's been getting awards for 20, 25 years of being the best GM plant in the organization. So we're sad to see that go down, and we'd like to see you pick up some of the overflow from other truck facilities and maybe some other plants uh, where they are threatening to take this work to Mexico. Uh, and we'd much rather see you get it rather than go to Mexico. Okay? So hint to General Motors, don't send any more to Mexico. If you're going to send it somewhere and you don't have a facility in the United States, we recommend that you send it to Oshawa or another Canada facility that is not capacity yet. Okay? They make real wages there. All right. We'd like to have it all here in the United States, 
we do support our Canadian brothers and sisters making equal wages or nearly equal wages as us and certainly oppose it going to Mexico. So that overflow from some of the facilities that are, you know, stretched to their limit right now uh, or soon will be uh, needs to be uh, considered for that. So having said that, uh, uh, all of our workers here in the United States, listeners, thank you very much. And having, uh, with with that, uh, we'll close the show and say good night and good night, Jeff, and good night, listeners. Good night, everyone.